Welcome to Juilliard's Everything Arts Related in and Around Austin. Today I'm chatting with Al Petrelli, music director and a guitarist of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He's also one of the founding members. He's been there since the beginning. And Al shares with us what's going to make this year's show, December 7th at Moody Center, extra special. Al, great to hear your voice. I have been looking forward to this chat all week. Back at you, girl. How you been? We're okay. You know what? We have a lot to be grateful for, and we're trying to be in the moment. What about you? Same thing. Same exact thing. Uh, the kids are at school. My wife just got home from work. The house is still relatively quiet, and uh, I'm talking to you, and it's that time of year, so I got nothing to complain about. I love it. So we're really excited about this show this year, and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, for the first time in Austin, is going to be performing at the Moody Center. That's going to be um, like a new feeling, right? Oh my God, yeah. I'm so excited. You know, it's the first time we've been coming through town for, oh my, 15 years, you know, and um, just to play a new building and see some familiar faces and make some new friends in a new environment is going to be awesome. And we're bringing a new show, so everything's brand new this year. Yeah, let's talk about the show. I think that's exciting because it's always good to have like a different feeling and a different flair, but you have a lot of really repeat diehard fans. Um, so what is that going to be like? Well, we refer to them affectionately as our repeat offenders. Love that. And uh, yeah, and they've been coming back with us. Uh, oh my God. For the first show was in 1999. So some of them have been with us from the jump and, uh, they want or they would love to see their holiday tradition, you know, the familiar version of that. And we try to do that every year. So this year we're going to give them a story that everybody's really kind of embraced as their own called the Ghosts of Christmas Eve. But that's where the familiar part usually ends because we also want to keep them on their heels a little bit. So the opening of the show has some new material we've never played. Uh, we're going to do some songs in the back half that we've never played. And as usual, our production heads, management company, and the O'Neill family has just taken production and pushed it even further than years past. So it's going to be exciting, both visually and sonically. Wow. Okay. I'm so ready for this. Wednesday, December 7th is the show at Moody Center. And you know what else? This is this really impresses me. You guys have done something special with the pricing this year. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that. Well, look, I don't know about you, but everything <laughs> seems to be ridiculously expensive this year. Every, I, I mean, across the board, my wife and I went to take the kids out to the movies a while back. And the first thing we did was stop at the gas station, which was the first mistake. And then, you know, between the, the Skittles, the Raisinets, the Twizzlers, some popcorn, a couple of cheeseburgers, a pretzel, and the four tickets, it was like a $200 night. Not cool. Yeah. You know, it just it's absolutely ridiculous. So I know a lot of people are feeling the crunch this year. And um, from the jump, the O'Neill family has kept the ticket prices down anyway, but we wanted to do something a little extra special. So, yeah, for one week, it's 29 bucks. And again, don't worry. I mean, I've never been in that building, but going back to the Frank Irwin Center for years, the front row, the last row, it doesn't matter where you're sitting in that building. You have a different vantage point of the show, and the back row of the arena sometimes becomes the front row. So don't stress if you're not up close and personal. Wherever you're sitting, you'll have a great seat, and it'll sound amazing. That is true. And this, um, the Moody Center is really extraordinary in that way. So I, I think can't that's, wait. Yeah, it's really, it's going to be extra special. And I do think with this special pricing, that really feels like a hug. And I think that's the kind of feeling people are used to from the TSO. I don't know about mm -hmm. you, but I feel like people are struggling in a lot of ways, like maybe with a family member who's got an illness or they're struggling mm -hmm. with the career and it all, it hits the pocketbook. And it's, so it's emotional struggle and it's financial struggle. And this is a way for people to say, hey, we can go to see this show for $29 a ticket 
plus fees and it's not going to break the bank and we can look forward to something extra special as a family. And shake everything off your shoulders for two and a half hours. You know, there's a certain level of just coming in and being around, you know, another 12, 13, 14,000 people, you know, and once you get in that arena, everybody's there for one reason, to escape into Paul O'Neill's beautiful story, you know, and, and realize that you're not alone. Um, not that that makes your personal situation any less or better or whatever, but the fact that everybody's sharing the same thing, at least, you know, you're not alone in that sentiment. That's quite right. And we all need that escape. We all yes, need ma'am. a little bit of respite from the daily struggles of life. It's I feel more important now than ever. And I kind of wonder what Paul O'Neill would say if he were here with us today about his vision and how it's lasted and how people rely on it. Well, I, I've heard him say it to me a thousand times over the years. You know, one of the things was that he, he would say, you know, Al, I just want this to live long past all of us. Now, I wasn't ready for that to become a thing. You know, uh, we lost Paul five years ago. It's going on six years this coming April. And uh, I miss him as I, and I can only imagine about his wife and his daughter and the rest of his family. But for speaking for myself, I miss him every moment of every day. And everything's a reminder of him. And I'm going to carry him in my heart till my last breath and my children. And if I ever have grandchildren, whatever I have grandchildren, will do the same. Because, you know, Paul was a visionary. He was one of a kind. And he created something that didn't exist prior. And people celebrate his music. Maybe they've never met the man. But, you know, it's like if you have a song that you love, you know, the song speaks volumes about the person who wrote it. You know, and that's what we have in this case with Paul. You know, these stories came from his mind and his heart and his experience, you know, and if they carry on forever, well, their mission accomplished. And I'm sure he'd be thrilled with where we are right now. It's extraordinary to me that he had a vision for the future well beyond, because when he told you that you were like, OK, yeah, that would be cool. But I don't really see it happening. Right. Mm, but pretty much. You know, I mean, it was 1995 when he asked me to come in the studio and work on this track he had, and he put the faders up on what was to become Christmas Eve, Sarajevo, 1224. And I, I looked at him like, what's with the Christmas song? You know, and he yeah. laughed. He smiled, and, and he explained what, what it was about. You know, um, this classical cellist in, uh, you know, war-torn Bosnia, or in Sarajevo, excuse me, and, you know, um, taking his cello to the town square and playing, you know, themes by the great uh, composers in protest of the bombings. And what Paul didn't realize is that in the late 80s, early 90s, I was Alice Cooper's musical director, and I played in Zagreb and Belgrade before the war. So I kind of, you know, the hair on my arm stood up when he was describing the events. I said, just do me a favor, brother, press record right now. And that's when I started playing those opening notes. And he looked at me and he goes, that's exactly what this needed. And, you know, at the end of the session, I said, man, this is just an incredibly powerful, dramatic, deep piece of music. Yeah okay, good luck, you know, and he goes, well, come back tomorrow, let's work on some other things. I said, oh, I'd love to, great. Unbeknownst to both of us, well, maybe, to, certainly to me, maybe not to him, but, you know, that winter, it became the number one requested song in America, and it was on every radio form. I mean, talk radio would even play it. That's how powerful it was and how people wanted to hear it. And that was the lightning strike that started the whole thing. Wow, it really spoke to people. I think I read somewhere that's actually the seventh most downloaded Christmas song ever. Yeah, I heard that. And, you know, I, I just can't help but smile, you know, because um, never in a million years that I think that would be the case. I just knew that he had created an incredible art form. And he always told me, I just want to create art. He goes, I don't care about commercial this. Or commer- I just want to do something that's never been done before. 
boy, did he accomplish that. He really did. And I think that's so encouraging to people who like have this idea. Maybe it's kind of nascent and they want to build on it and they don't necessarily know or see where it's going to go. But mm-hmm. if you're compelled to create it, I think that that's that's a sign you can't ignore. No, exactly. And he was the one who taught me, you know, if everybody's making a right turn, make a left. <laughs> you know, mm. I mean, that simple. Now, you know, listen, it's not that easy to accomplish, but the concept is, is that, like, you know, you don't follow trends. If, if you're following what's going on in the world, you're already six months late. You know? And um, he came up with this idea. You know, he and his family, you know, stayed up all night thinking about this stuff, whatever, and, and, and coming into the studio, and he just said, this is what we're going to do. And I Count me in. Yeah, there's no money involved back then. There was nothing but the fact of being involved in something very creative and, and something very artistic. And, that, and that's what I always wanted to play guitar for, or that's what I wanted to play guitar in. I wanted to just do something that hadn't been done before. And, you know, looking back, what's going on 28 years this coming winter, we nailed it. It was kind of cool. And more importantly, everybody in America and globally fell in love with it as well. And I think that's part of the reason why it's become a tradition and so important to so many families. For sure. It resonates whether you're Mm, seven years old or 70, which is so remarkable. You know, Al, you're discussed in my house more than you could ever know, because um, I think the last time we spoke, it was October of last year, although it feels to me like that was like yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, you know, you shared that with your with your instrument, I thought you were going to tell me something like, oh, I, I feel like a master. I really know my instrument. And you shared with me that after decades, you're still learning from your instrument. And I have people in my home who are learning guitar since the beginning of the pandemic. And in those frustrated moments, I say, well, Al Petrelli is still learning from his instrument. And I think that seems to give beginners so much encouragement. Well, well thank you for saying that. But I mean, every day, Every day I learn something new about, you know, my instrument, my art form. Uh, the, the, you know, it, it's incredible. And not to sound like the nerd that I am, but, you know, when you think about that, there's only 12 ingredients in music. And Mozart, Beethoven, and Rachmaninoff shared the same exact ingredients as Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. You know, that that's a polar opposite interpretation or yeah. presentation of musical combinations and the mathematics of music. And again, I don't want to sound like some Pythagorean nerd, but... You know, every day I put my guitar on my lap, I learn something new about it. Every time I sit behind the piano, I learn something new about that. And, you know, somebody had told me years and years ago, and I'm not sure if I mentioned it is, I mentioned this to you, excuse me, last time we chatted, but they said, you know, a complete art is a dead art, you know, and that kind of stuck with me. Like, you know, art just, it, it continues to evolve and breathe and live and move and do all that. And if it ever stops, then it's dead. And, you know, music you know, it's an infinite amount of combinations with a finite amount of ingredients. So I'm going to have a great time as long as, you know, every time I listen to Jeff Beck, <laughs> I go, I got a lot of work to do. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of a lot of work, I was um, reading that the tour is going to be 60 cities. It's over 100 concerts in less than... 45 days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you, um, do you have any like routines or any rituals or anything you can share? Things you do to help keep you healthy. I'm sure you get a lot of energy and, and a lot of um, vibrance from being on stage. But uh, but in terms of self-care, is there anything special that you do just to, to keep yourself grounded? Well, uh, Muhammad Ali said something years ago that I kind of live by. And his quote was, you know, train hard and fight easy. Ooh. You know, he there's a, you know, he used to say I hated every day of training, but I loved living as a champion, you know, 
And Mike Tyson reiterated a similar thought where he goes, you know, discipline is everything because, you know, discipline means you have to be good at something that you dislike. You know, and, and you talk about two world champions on a whole other, different level of champion. Yeah. And with me, it's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't get ready for a tour. I'm just never not ready for a tour, if that makes any sense. It does. You know, like everything else, you know, going on tour, I've dreamt about it since I was a little kid. You know, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan in 1964. I was two years old in my feety pajamas. And obviously, I don't recall the evening, you know, but my mom and my dad, you know, used to talk about it. You know, I think, oh, look at how cute he likes the Beatles. Much to the chagrin, I wasn't letting go of that, you know. <laughs> but it grabbed me in the innermost part of my heart. And so and if you talk to anybody, you know, my age, older, or a little bit younger, they'll all say the same thing. Every, you know, I remember hearing Joe Walsh say something similar. I remember doing an interview with Dennis Miller. And, you know, he was like, yeah, that was the day that changed everybody, you know. And then you continue on through the 60s and the 70s through the public school systems and the advent of FM radio. I mean, I've been dreaming about this since I was a kid. Instead of doing my algebra homework, I used to draw, you know, lighting diagrams on my notebook or, you know, Marshall stacks or whatever. You know, I wanted nothing to do with anything other than that. You know, so for me, every time the house lights go down, I turn into a 15 year old all over again. Wow. That is great. That's an incredible mindset shift. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's useful in life in a lot of different ways. Yeah, just apply that to every aspect of your life. I mean, I love what I do, you know, and I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. I worked very, very hard to get here, you know, and meeting Paul, you know, it was kind of like looking in a mirror, you know, like the work ethic was the same, the vision. I mean, he had the vision, but we both just wanted to be really good at something. You know, every day I want to be better than I was yesterday. Oh, God, so inspiring. I wish I had you like on repeat every time I needed a little pick me up, a little motivational, uh, you know, because it's that's what I feel when I chat with you, Al. Uh, well, anytime you want, you know that I enjoy my time with you greatly. And listen, I, I, are you going to come to the show this year? Yes, looking so forward to it. And I just want to remind uh, everybody wait. where they can get tickets. It's trans-siberian.com and $29 for one week, $29 starting today plus fees. And so I hope that everybody is going to take advantage of that. It's going to be extra special this year. And I'll just mention quickly, because we didn't touch on it. The TSO is big on charity. And I know that you're donating a dollar from every ticket sold still even this year, which is just so important to the community. Well, and it's important to the community. It's important to us to remain involved in the community because it's, you know, communities like yours who put us on the map and, and ask us to come back every year and come to the show, you know, and show a great amount of love and respect from the audience, you know, and we show it right back from the stage to the audience. So, again, deferring to Paul O'Neill and the family from the jump, that was paramount to them is to, to give a little bit back. I remember as a kid, and even to this day, you know, whatever grocery store you'd be going to, you know, the guy in the Salvation Army with the Santa outfit, the big kettle, you know, with the bell going, you know, no matter what, people would be walking in and out of the shop. And if they had a lot of money, a little bit of money, it didn't matter, but they threw something in there, you know, yeah. and it adds up, you know, every ticket sold from 1999 until this afternoon, $1 will go back into the community. And, you know, a dollar doesn't seem like a lot, but when you add up a lot of dollars, you know, it becomes a substantial amount of money. But again, the O'Neills are ridiculously generous and loving and caring, and they've wanted to change the world however they can. And I think they've accomplished that. So I'm just so proud and privileged to be part of such an incredible organization and incredible people. 
Yeah, little things like really can have a big impact, and that's so exciting. And we are ready to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We're going to wait until December 7th at Moody Center. So excited that you're going to be coming back to Austin, Al. And thank you so much for your time today. Hi, you're so welcome. I enjoyed my time. I hope you did as well. And listen, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, my best to your family, and I'll see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Juilliard's. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Al Petrelli. And if you did, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you want to hear more from Juliet, listen to Magic 95.5 weekday afternoons. She's on the air from noon to seven, keeping you company while you're at work or on that all too lengthy drive home.